0: listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab episode 77. and today we answer the questions that you asked, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret, transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, and today, as always, have alongside me the charming Tim Hyde. How are you going, Tim?
1: Oh my God, I've got big shoes to fill right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just hit the thesaurus and it just spat that out.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, I'm doing really well. I'm having a fabulous week so far.
0: Excellent.
1: uh, I'm looking at this cold, chilly winter's day in Canberra from outside my double glazing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, good idea. And there's a reason I don't li- live in Canberra. And oh my goodness, I hate the cold. Anyways, let's not talk about the weather. I'm super excited about today's episode. We're going to do a Q&A episode.
1: I know, it's going to be so good. In fact, you guys are tuning in right now. I'm, I'm sorry to say you've actually missed the best episode we've ever done because it was just off air before we started this one. So I I Hopefully we will. This, one, this episode is, is going to be a tribute to the greatest episode ever recorded.
0: I love that. The look on your face when you're like, "Why should have been recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no one would believe that you and I have a lot of fun off air. They wouldn't believe
1: um, it. I know. We've, we're, we're certainly totally serious. <laughs> and uh, all the instructions to the team that we put into the podcast, of course, uh, no longer no, exist. What a shame. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to So this... Yeah, we're going to get back on track now. We've been collecting all sorts of really interesting questions that have been submitted by you, our dear listeners, and we're going to answer them as best we can on this episode. In fact, I think we, uh, I think we decided off here that we might even do this one on a more regular basis. I had
0: so much fun going through these <clears throat> questions, and I think what I love about a lot of the questions that have been asked is our listeners really want to get to know us on a deeper level because I actually had a giggle at some of these questions.
1: Yeah, well, was was the pineapple on pizza yes or no question?
0: I know, right? (laughs) But, okay, so should we just get it over and done with? I need to know, Tim.
1: I am firmly in the pineapple on pizza camp.
0: And so am I. That's two two pineapples for the win. (laughs) I love pineapple on pizza.
1: That's right. And if you don't like pineapple pizza, I'm sorry, you are no longer allowed to listen to our podcast. Every
0: no, day. no, no, no. They can listen to the podcast. They probably just don't like, want to join us for dinner.
1: <laughs> not for not for pizza anyway. Anyway. We will make you a special meat lover's pizza instead.
0: <laughs> are you good to jump in? Because I would just uh, love look, to absolutely just jump into this episode.
1: Absolutely. There's lots of them. So we're going we're gonna to get right into it. The first one, of course, is from Alison Walton at alisonwalton.com. And she asks... A good one, I thought, actually. I and think this is like a business. fabulous question. She asked, what is the biggest challenge when it comes to your business finances, right? And how do you manage it? Yes. Now, I think we we were pretty much aligned with this one, weren't we?
0: I think you and I just both said exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. It was one of those snap moments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like one, two, three, cash flow. Okay.
0: Absolutely. And I just missed that. <laughs> But absolutely, cash flow. It is definitely yeah. a big challenge. And, you know, I've been in business for 26 years. You've been in business for a long time as well, Tim. And mm. this is something that it's, it's always there. If we don't have cash flow coming into our business, then things get hard.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things that if you don't have, you can very, very quickly find yourself um, struggling. And there's this propensity, I think, in business to kind of just rely on our accountant to tell us where our business position is.
0: Oh, see, um, I've never or, been or, in that camp, ever. Or, or, our, <laughs> or,
1: our, or our bookkeeper to do it. It's something that I think as business owners we cannot abdicate any responsibility for. And we should definitely not be managing cash flow based on how much money we've got in our bank account.
0: Definitely not. No. Um, and this is something I learned. So where I go, how do I manage that? Always, always have looked back at... numbers because the numbers don't lie they tell you what are the trends you know i've been in a seasonal business before where we had to be very aware of the trends now i always go back and reflect on each month and break down my numbers so that i can make good decisions moving forward if i can see that something's happening i can adjust accordingly so putting your head in the sand with your finances does not work in business
1: no not at all And look even in month to month if you look at you know, tools like Xero and everybody should have an electronic accounting platform that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yes. It's easy to look at your sort of monthly and say, look, I made $25,000 and I spent fifteen. ergo, I've got $10,000 left. What we should also be looking at is when that money comes in and out. So for me in my business right now, a lot of my comes in, money comes in between the 20th and the 5th of the month. Uh, between mm-hmm. the 20th of the previous month and fifth, right? So a lot of money comes in, I go, lots of money, right? And I have a little sort of, you know, um, gigant dance and, and you know, whatever. Uh, and then a lot of money goes out for the next 10, 15 yeah. days. Yeah. And then usually around sort of the 17th, 18th, 19th of every month, historically I've gone, oh, you know, my God, you know, if any, if any bills come in, I'm, I'm in real trouble right now. And so what we need to do is look at when the money coming in, is coming into our business and when it's going out. And one of the things I've seen recently that can be really good, if you've got a program or you're signing people up, look at signing people up on a Monday each week, right? So if you've got a new program and you get an order form on Friday, don't just sign them on on Friday, hold it over to the Monday so that uh, on the, you know, the first 7th or first 8th, 15th, 23rd of each month, you've got money coming into your account on a regular basis which can help even out your cash flow.
0: Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. There you
1: go. And so while you might be tempted to go, hey, I've got an order right now, you might just hold it over. So it's either on a weekly basis, you've got money coming in every week or money coming in every fortnight, which can help you manage your cash flow a little bit better.
0: I know that I talk about it a lot. I do have a bookkeeper. I do have an accountant, obviously, but I have never, ever, ever handed over everything to them. I know what my P&L looks like. I know the programs that are making the you know the most money or where my money's coming from it's something that i do pay attention to so thanks for that question alison i think that's an awesome question
1: absolutely now this next one this one was from a good mate scott bywater at copy copywriting that sells is that right i
0: don't know i just know that scott's awesome and i know what he does
1: scott's a really good one because scott has a personal brand Scott he?
0: has a great personal brand. Fact, if, no must, if you're not connected with Scott on LinkedIn, go over and have a look because his content game is on point.
1: That's right. It's interesting that Scott's. I mean, Scott. Uh, you know, Scott's question is uh, how do you position your personal brand to stand out? And it's interesting that he asked this question because Scott, we know Scott is Scott Bywater, not copywriting that sells.
0: Hundred percent hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Yes. So, so that's, a, that's a really good example of how to create your personal brand to stand out. And one of the things that Scott does really well with his personal brand, and, and if you look at people who stand out, like you know, Tony Robbins, Dean Graciosi, and, and so on, um, that stand out as personal brands, is that they're, they're sort of the expert positioning, and they're always in their genius zone, I think, as you yes. mentioned off-air before. They talk specifically to their genius zone. And they are also using a lot of video, right, to create that personal brand stand, you know, that stands out as well. Right? So they yeah, start to it's... kind of connect and relate to the face. Of yeah, them.
0: that's it. They connect with you as a person rather than, uh, you know, a business name, for example, because people do business with people. I think that getting that content game on point showing up on video, showing up so that people get to know you and who you are, what you stand for, your zone of genius is a great way to get your personal brand to cut through. And actually, I didn't share this with you before, Tim. About a month ago, I was doing some research. It was actually on SEO and I went down a rabbit hole, as I often do when I'm doing things on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And I made a really bizarre discovery. Other people might have found this before, but I've never seen it before. It didn't matter whether someone had a business name or whether they just used their personal name as their business, like I do. So you, you use Win More Clients, you use your, your business name. I just go with Samantha Riley. It didn't matter which way it was. Their biggest search term or the way that people were finding them on Google, every time, it didn't matter who I looked up, it was always their name first. And I yeah. found that super interesting.
1: Yeah, I think we'll stick. We'll stick in the show notes, but I know it's something that I created a few years ago that you've used in some of your programs, Sam, and that's an, an influence pyramid. What I call yes. my social influence pyramid, yes. and at the top of the pyramid where we put our thought leaders. Okay, so thought leaders are generally creating and expressing not necessarily new ideas, but their take on on someone else's idea. Yep. Right? or they might be creating a new idea. So the thought, my influence pyramid is a thought leaders kind of thing. Right. Next level down from that is people who share it. Okay, so Sam, you are sharing my influence period with, with your network and that puts I am. me with a thought leader. Yes. Right? So that actually creates influence for me and makes my personal brand stand out, but also then creates yours as well. Right? Because you're saying, here I am connected to all these thought leaders and I'm saying, here's a here's a new idea you might not have come to. And as we start to go down through our influence period, we start to get on people who comment, right? We start to get people who like, and then the vast majority of people who then lurk and just read. Now
0: And we're talking about social media here, the people that are just lurking around Facebook and Instagram.
1: Particularly social media, but any group context, right? You can see the same dynamics happening in networking groups. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. some people just sit on the sideline and just kind of observe. Other people command the room and share their ideas, and other people go, Oh, okay, that's a really great idea, Tim, you know, yes, you know, and other people think, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that one. In social media, it's more obvious because we do have shares, likes, comments, readers right, or lurkers at the bottom. And the more often you put yourself at the top, the more likely you are to create your personal brand that stands out.
0: 100%. Because people will know what your genius zone is and what
1: you stand for. That's right. So we need to be consistent about the regularity that we appear with, the content that we appear with and how we appear. Steve Brosman is another you know connection of both of ours. Sam, Steve you will never see Steve in public or in his public persona without wearing a turquoise (laughs) shirt of various different stages. Absolutely. That's part of his personal brand. So he's always consistent about how he appears whenever he appears on the subject of his topic of expertise. And you'll see the same thing with other people as well. They'll always appear the same way.
0: Yeah. So whatever it is for you, I, I don't go for the, the color thing. I had, interestingly enough, someone did comment to me that there was, and I'm not gonna say what the color was because they might know who this person is, but this person always showed up in the same color and I'm not talking about Steve here. And someone said, oh, well, that's really interesting. I know that as the, you know, the yellow lady, but I don't actually know what she does. So just go with something that, that works for you, but make sure that people know what it is that you do.
1: <laughs> well, way there develop part of a personal brand but not the next thing we need to to make connection with that with our zone of genius as well totally totally so scott i hope that answers your question thanks for sending that in i like this uh, one you do i do uh, this is from ian pratt and ian's a connection of ours on linkedin and he's a
0: ian, leadership coach
1: that's absolutely uh, and ian asks how do you move from idea to action
0: and what I love about this is how many people—and actually, I'll even put my hand up—and probably I reckon you could too, Jim. <laughs> we have these really good ideas and don't actually do anything with them. And
1: uh, yeah, so often. Look, this, this defines my brother-in-law. He's got brilliant, brilliant business ideas and never puts them in into action. He'd be missing uh, it by now if he did. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, oh, I am a big action taker. I, I do take action a lot, but there's, there's some ideas that don't ever go anywhere and I certainly see it often in the business world.
1: I think what, if we need to look at all the successful people we know, though, not just personally, but, you know, by their brand presence as well, more often than not, it's those action takers that are commanding that position.
0: 100%. Right?
1: Uh, people who have gone, mm, this is not quite a formed idea but I'll take action and then I'll kind of refine what it looks like as yep. I go.
0: And I think that you've just alluded to the very first point there that you can't wait until it's perfect. If you have an idea, just go with it.
1: The only thing about being perfect, right, perfect doesn't exist. Perfect no, it doesn't. For who, right? exactly. perfect, perfect for you, perfect for...
0: Oh, it might be your... perfect for me and it's not going to be perfect for you. That's our right, clo- you know. Our clothing sizes are very different. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, in, in, in case for those who don't know, I think you're, you're, you're pushing about five foot oh, I
0: haven't even made it to five foot.
1: <laughs> four, four, four foot eleven and I'm yep. six foot two, right? So <laughs>
0: we, yeah, we do look pretty funny when we're together.
1: <laughs> so, you know, but even there, you know, a perfect one person is not necessarily perfect for the next. And we get too hung up in thinking that it needs to be completed mm-hmm. uh, before we actually launch
0: yeah.
1: uh, and get our idea or our, our product or our service, service out there. And and that's not that, that often holds us back from actually doing anything.
0: I think that that wanting to have clarity or wanting to have it right is something that comes up for a lot of people. And something that I have learnt more and more and more as the years go on is that it's actually the action that brings the clarity. You don't have the clarity first. I put together a group coaching program back in I think maybe twenty fifteen and I seriously I woke up with the idea in the morning. By 7 o'clock, I'd scratched out some notes. By 9 o'clock, I'd reached out to a whole heap of people and asked, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. Would you be interested? And it was launched by 7 o'clock that night. And it was the action of speaking to people and just doing it that formulated, I guess, the clarity moving forward. But that moving from idea to action for me personally, and I don't know about you, Tim, you've always had people involved. So in that particular story, I reached out to people. By me reaching out, that holds me accountable that I'm doing this thing. Are you on the bus with me? But, you know, through the use of accountability buddies or being accountable to my mentors, whatever it is, I've always involved people in my moving from idea to action. But I'd love your take on it, Tim
1: yeah look absolutely i think you know if you've got other people involved it, it sort of almost forces you to i guess take responsibility for it in, in some ways and actually sort of see it through yes. because you know generally speaking we don't like to let other people down and and having that accountability is an important thing i, I think one of the, the things here that i've certainly learned and i spent a lot of years uh, in it project management Running my business on the side, and one of my early mentors always used to share with me this this thought that in time, seventy percent of every decision you'll ever make turns out to be wrong.
0: I, I actually would have thought it'd be a little bit higher. <laughs> whatever,
1: whatever, whatever the number. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Talk, it, it's a talk, large number. <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about statistics here, right? So the decisions we make today in the fullness of time will turn out to be the wrong decision, right? Mm -hmm. But at that point in time, they are the right decision, right? And we've seen that throughout history, right? Some things we do, it's right at that very particular moment. However unsavoury we might view or, you know, in the 2020 hindsight, we might look back and say, hey, that was the wrong decision at the time. We're only acting with the information or the stuff we've got at the time we've got available. But making the decision, and again, we're talking largely mental things here. We're not talking anything that's really physical. We're talking, you know, your own limiting beliefs and your barriers. The quicker you make a decision, the quicker you can then adjust and change if that decision turns out to be incorrect. And I think
0: that sometimes it might not even be incorrect. A really great way to reframe that is, what did I just learn from this to be able to move forward?
1: Well, and look, we were talking... Offline earlier about a contact of mine, and I'm, I, I want to get into your program, Sam, you know, who picked up 13 referrals out of two networking events. And was then invited to join and be part of, the, part of the group and part of the program going forward. And the conversation we had with this individual was, I'm not feeling quite ready. I've, I've leapt into things too often before, and, and I'm not really sure if this is going to work for me. Like, well. and, and I was like, hang on a minute,
0: you've got 13 clients that want to hand you their credit card right now and you yeah. want to have to think about that? Yeah. <laughs> That's craziness.
1: All right. yeah. and, and obviously not quite ready to do it. And this is sort of something going to our next question from Ashley Ray as well. But, you know, almost being too cautious about it, right? If we if we have to make it perfect, it will never happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Right? And yeah. there's no right time to do anything. Waiting for the right time to do things will mean the time is gone past. Not, I don't know what that's saying. You know, the best time to plant plan a forest a was, yep. was 100 years ago. Right? The second best time is today. Yeah. Right? I, I,
0: I, I I've i never felt ready to do anything.
1: No, kind of yeah. we, don't. we have this imposter syndrome as entrepreneurs, you know, as consultants and coaches. And we, we often think that we're not, you know, what we know isn't enough. Yeah. Right? That we're not good enough to do what it is we do. I presented in Sydney last Monday and literally made up my presentation on a napkin <laughs> over, over breakfast that morning. I, you're like, I know my content, right? It's something that I teach my clients um, each and every single day. And the feedback was amazing. The feedback was incredible um, from the, the attendees there. But if I had waited until I'd scripted out every single word, polished that presentation to, and end into its life, rehearsed it a thousand times until I knew every word, I was going to say in every pause that I was going to roll out, you know, every joke I was going to try and extract from the crowd, I never would have been ready right? because it would be another year, another two years, another three years, and, and maybe that content's not relevant anymore in three years' time.
0: Totally.
1: Yeah, yep. But I only, I only know that from actually delivering it.
0: Yeah, surround yourself with the right people.
1: Absolutely. So, I hope that answers your question. I'm ready.
0: Ashley Ray from Virtually Awesome Podcast Services. And I had a chat to Ashley yesterday and connected with her. So, big shout out to you, Ashley. We had a great conversation. But her question, what, Tim, <laughs> what gets you goat? What gets your goat? What gets you ranty and fired up?
1: Uh, oh, God, how many things do I want to go for here? it's a. This I'm
0: is trying. where we had a lot of laughs before we started recording.
1: <laughs> I'm going to try and keep my list Short. The abridged version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give us the 30-second version, Tim.
1: <laughs> the 30-second version, I think, is really that hesitation that we talked about, the idea to action. Right? Yeah. That's the idea. And I, I, I hate to see waste. It's one of my big, you know, personal bugbears. I, I really hate people seeing wasted opportunity, you know, without giving it. I, I, I get the idea of putting some thought behind which opportunities you want to pursue, but I hate to see obviously wasted opportunities pass people by. And, you know, the the client we were just talking about there, I think is a really good example, you know, lots of opportunity, but going, where does my pipeline exist after that? You know, what if I commit to this and then this is it? What if,
0: what if, what if,
1: what if? What if, what if, right? So, you know, what if, how about this one? How about we change the way we're thinking and going, what if it actually works?
0: What if it was even better than I first imagined?
1: Yeah, but... The thing that I that really gets me going is what if it goes bad, not if, what if it goes well. And we we have this I don't know whether it's an Australian thing or a business owner thing or you know it's that self self you know that confidence or self belief that we have in ourselves. But often I know people who are going, what if it go, that it's the negativity, it's the always looking at the worst side of the opportunity, yeah, not, not the positive outcomes that could be taken from doing something. And that's I think that's my biggest. That's my biggest goat in business.
0: And Um, you did that really well.
1: (laughs) And I kept it to a minute and a half.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. I'm going to share mine. I'm going to share mine, Tim, because this is something that I do passionately believe in and it really does get my goat. And that's people looking sideways and pointing the finger at other people saying, Your business isn't good. You're doing the wrong thing. Blah blah blah. All all about you, you, you. Like just focus on your own business. What are you doing well? I hate it. Going back to to our
1: right now. I'm so angry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Back in the uh, days of my dance store, we actually had a rule for our staff that if a customer came in and complained about another store, that they weren't allowed to say anything. Because I think it's the, it's so off-putting to hear someone complain about another business. Like I just yeah, don't like going,
1: it. You can't be going, oh, yeah, they suck. And I agree. Yeah. You know, even, from, even from that position of empathy to acknowledge it and say, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way is, is probably a far better way of saying it. It actually starts to lift you above. And, and we talk about integrity a lot, but it just actually starts to really speak to your integrity.
0: Totally. Yeah, that really gets my goat. So and and often i will put myself out on social media when someone's having a go and you know you see these comments come up fast 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 because someone's had a go at someone else and everyone's like oh yeah right on yeah speaking the truth bro blah 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 and i'm like have you actually seen the other side to this that so there you go. I'll stop right there. I don't <laughs> like
1: <laughs> all, all, do a the whole com- all
0: the love coming from here.
1: <laughs> that's right. We could do a whole episode just to rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we're not going to.
1: <laughs> Two good ones, good ones, I reckon. I'm sure that's going to resonate with people as well. But, uh, totally.
0: uh love to totally. Hear
1: sort of what, what gets your going in Pistols in the show <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know what gets your goat, What gets you all ranty and fired up? Yeah, let us know. <laughs> Thanks for that question, Ashley. But she did ask another question, didn't she?
1: She did. She did. Her second question was How do you demonstrate the philosophies that underpin what you do without terrifying people? Now, I think this is not necessarily what I do or Sam, what you do. I think what we're talking, Ashley's asking here is How do you kind of explain what it is that you do to people without overwhelming them? Yeah. In many ways. That,
0: that, well, that's certainly the way that we've taken, taken this question. Yeah.
1: When I talk to clients about their marketing, this is probably one of the areas that people, one of the biggest mistakes that people make. Mm-hmm. Right? And it would probably happen, you know, like in most businesses, this is where people sort of uh, make one of their mistakes. And that is talking about the process of what it is we do mm-hmm. and not the transition we create for customers.
0: Correct. So right? when people are saying, what do you do, they don't literally mean what do you do. What they mean is what is the outcome that I can expect.
1: That's right. And because when we start going into the detail, it's second nature to you, right? You know the ins and outs and everything else, right? But for your customer or your prospect here, they don't understand how it is that you do things, right? And can feel overwhelmed and a bit terrified about how complex all of that looks. You do it every day. It's, it's second nature for you. It's easy as. For somebody else, it's terrifying,
0: yeah, which is interesting because when I first read this question, I was like, terrifying. We don't terrify our clients. But then I actually stopped and thought about it. A lot of the people that I work with, actually all the people I work with, usually started their business or, or went into, you know, their job, whatever industry they were working in before the internet existed or before social media was around. So now to, for them to get their head around social media, it actually is terrifying for them. So I don't go into analytics and all of the other crazy things that we talk about. We just talk about the outcomes of having conversations with people.
1: I think this is an important one to get, you know, right from our our pickup line to our, you know, that introduction statement. What is it you do, Sam? What is it you do, Tim? And, you know, if you can get this right, talking about that transition and the outcome you create. So, for example, mine that I'm using right now, I'm I'm targeting um, businesses in the financial services and professional services sector. So I might say something like I I help financial services companies double their business inside 12 months. Nice. You know, using our, you know, proprietary method. I don't need to go go into the method and since someone says, like, well, how do you do that? I say, well, I use our proprietary method. It's got, you know, we work on our nine accelerators, okay? It's a 12 month program. We work on our nine business accelerators. Awesome. Great. Can you give me that? And now we're sort of just peeling back the layers as someone goes, yep, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. Let's go to the next level of detail. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to get down into let's actually do, uh, you know, 10 second retargeting on Facebook video ads, you know, linking to like a a second offer on a custom audience, you know, feeding into your database and a 16 day, you know, email campaign. Yeah. That's, that. yeah, well, I've always said someone to that straight away. They'll be like, oh. That's, yeah,
0: terrified. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's too hard. I'm terrified. That sounds yeah. too complex and therefore if it's too complex and too hard, I'm not going to do anything. Yes. But if I simply come back to what is the, what's the pain to pay off process that we do without going into the, sorry, pain to pay off without going into the process, we find that our customer can now start to grab that as a broad concept. Yes. and then we can start to drill down into it as they kind of come on that journey with us.
0: Yeah, so I guess in summation of this one, it's explaining the transition from this is where you are now to this is where you're going to be. Show that you have a framework because we also, I also have a a framework that I use with my clients so they know they're safe. They know that there's going to be a path to follow. We call it the success path and then that's the end. We don't need to tell them the processes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, nice question, Ashley. Thanks so much.
1: The last one for today. This one was from Tony Lane from Vincent's. This was a conversation I was having with Tony this morning. He asked a really, a really cool one, I think. that's um, largely about labels in many ways. But he asked, what's the difference between a business owner and someone who's self-employed?
0: Yeah, I think this one's really, really good.
1: What are you reckon, Sam?
0: So for me, I think that the business owner is the person that's got the big vision. The, they've got the big vision. They know exactly where the company's heading and they get, the, it's like they're the driver of the bus. And they have all these other people that come on the bus that help the business owner achieve that vision. I feel that the self-employed person is the one that's in the trenches doing the work on their own, just, you know, in the <coughs> of it really. They've bought themselves a job or they have a job.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the thing. I think that's if we, we break it down into the actual words itself. Right? Mm-hmm. You're just not employed by someone else. You're employed by yourself.
0: Yeah, crazy, uh, crazy. <laughs> 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 you even get holidays or sick pay with that.
1: <laughs> I think if you're self-employed, your business requires you to be employed in the business to actually function. When you get to be a business owner is when you start transitioning out of that space and you're guiding and directing the business just like that bus owner analogy but not necessarily employed by the business. You can earn an income from your business, regardless of whether you're in it or not. And that's when you start to get to that business owner stage as opposed to the self-employed stage, right? So my wife who just walked past in the background for those people who are watching the video replay, (laughs) she is is both self-employed and a business owner, right? She's got a buyer's agency and a property management business. She's employed in her buyer's agency. If she doesn't do the work in her buyer's agency, nothing happens. Right? So she's the one that turns up at auctions on the weekend. She's the one that, you know, goes out and negotiates with, with agents on behalf of her clients to buy property. In her real estate business, in her property management business, we have staff. Now, they mm-hmm. run the business whether Penny's there or not, the day-to-day mm-hmm. operations. So in that context, she's wearing that business owner hat. So she can take a whole week off, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you would probably say, hey, you need to come back in and make sure the this, this ship is steering in the right direction. But she can take several days off at a time and the business runs seamlessly without her.
0: Which, you know, which does bring up a different conversation because a lot of people in the coaching space, we're we're selling our expertise. So there are certain times that we do need to show up if we're doing group coaching calls or if we're running an event. And, you know, you can't totally work yourself out of the business, like if you've got a retail store, for example. But I think it's the difference of... Do you need to show up all day, every day? And also, can you teach others your methodology to deliver that?
1: I don't know, that's probably something that comes back to the foundations of your business and, and Scott's question earlier about branding in, in some ways. you know, It was a decision that I made when I started my business that, yes, I'm going to be the face of it for a large part of what it is that I do, but I didn't want to have, you know, at a certain point, I wanted to be able to hand something to staff member you know, who could be a revolving door of staff members, hopefully it's not too revolving, Yeah, yeah. Uh, to deliver to a customer and and be that sort of touch point for a customer without me having to be the face of the business. Yes. Um, If you're choosing a personal brand, Sam, I know this is a decision you made when you chose, you know, name your brand Samantha Riley, in many ways you have to be the one that turns up to deliver that group coaching or to, to be the face of a lot of the stuff you do. And that's something that we need to think about you know, how are we are going to take our business forward? What does your business look like as it evolves?
0: Yeah. And you need to be very clear on that before day one, before you even, you know, set your first business name or program or your first deliverable, you need to know what it is that you want for your life first and then figure out how to do that. That's probably a whole nother episode, I reckon, there.
1: I reckon it might be. I reckon it might be. That's it. <laughs> that's it for today's episode, of course. Um, thank you, Ash, Alison, uh, Scott, Ian, Ashley and Tony for submitting your questions. I know there were lots more that we had to go through. We, we couldn't answer them all in one episode. We'll certainly do that another time. But if you've got questions, feel free to send them in Use the hashtag Ask Sam and Tim on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, or jump on the website and hit the submit button for your questions. We'd love to be able to answer them for you. Absolutely.
0: And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love you to give it a like, share it with your network and hit the subscribe button on iTunes That because that's super helpful for our show to be found more easily for the people that don't know that we exist. Yet. Yet. I like um, it.
1: Obviously, obviously, they're missing out, and they all would like to be part of the pineapple on pizza conversation.
0: Absolutely. Or soup, maybe <laughs> even soup. soup. Oh my goodness. I feel like we're going so backwards today. <laughs> Tim, we're going to be talking about business hacks next Thursday. Yeah,
1: like awesome. We're going to pull out our favorite business hacks and uh, share with them on next week's episode. Of course, if you want to shout out on next week's episode as well, and you've got a business hack that you'd like to share, let us know. Uh, and hopefully you'll get lots of value out of the episode next Thursday
0: absolutely Tim it's been a pleasure hanging out with you here today
1: as always with you Sam you have indeed been charming today (laughs) oh my goodness I look forward to seeing you on our next episode
0: Uh, thanks for listening guys take care Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to Riley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.